He has appeared in some of my favorite shows. Kevin Cassidy stunted in numerous Marvel Cinematic Universe films, including Spider-Man Far From Home, Avengers Endgame, Black Panther, Captain America Civil War, plus The Dark Knight Rises, Salt, and Sons of Anarchy. He has also acted in the Sleepy Hollow television series. Cassidy was lured away from Hollywood to teach others confidence and to learn the value of teamwork, humility, and poise with his Ninja Warrior training gym for youth. His book, Falling Down to Find Myself, provides a glimpse into his life as an artist and how he overcame childhood bullying and adversity. Please welcome Kevin Cassidy. Thanks for having me, Debbie. Your birth defect, now that you're older, do you kind of feel like it might be a blessing now? How did it shape your life? Yeah, absolutely. I touch on that in the book. It definitely... I think I articulate it in a way that everyone is always dealing with something. Um, it could be problems at home. It could be food insecurities or any other insecurity. And luckily for me, I couldn't hide from mine or brush under the rug. It was literally on my face and how I spoke. And I had to figure it out and fight it head on and come to terms with it. So I think that definitely shaped my personality a lot. Uh, it was very helpful for me in my adult life and, and my personality and my character. How many surgeries did you have to have and how painful were they? I had seven major surgeries and a bunch of smaller ones. The, every time they would go in, I was born with a bubble around my mouth pretty much. So they had no roof in my mouth, no teeth, no gums, no nose. All that had to be kind of created. I remember some of the early surgeries, they didn't have stitches that would dissolve. So after the surgery, I had to come back in and get the stitches pulled out. And there was no anesthesia or anything for that. So that was painful. Mm -hmm. And then in seventh grade, they took bone out of my hip and created the roof of my mouth. That was one of the bigger ones. That was pretty mm -hmm. painful. I had a walk of crushes. So the hip pain was one. And then obviously the mouth and tell them to eat soup for a while and try to go to school. And you know, those are the two, two probably more painful ones. And we all know that kids can be pretty awful in school so with all the bullying that you endured did you ever feel like giving up no i don't know if it's the nature nurture or just how i was put on this earth i've always been pretty uh, stubborn and i didn't one of the bigger things well, i couldn't see my face so it wasn't i wasn't reminded how i looked all the time so i would forget about that and i didn't really hear myself talk the way other people did i wasn't as insecure with my outward, everything I was doing until people would bicker and laugh and the bullying started. I'm like, oh yeah, I forget. I, I, I talk like that. <laughs> so yeah, well, it wasn't, I, I never had anything to give up. I, I had still had good friends. I was always athletic and I played sports and all the bad. It wasn't, I don't think anyone, who knows, but everyone has their own experience, but it's not 99% of the time you're being bullied. It's probably 15, 20% of the time. So you focus on like even friends of mine who would bully or tease me and I give them a side look. Oh my God. Two, oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. You know? So finding out where that line was and being able to laugh with them, if it was clever and good jest was something that definitely built my character as well. And of course you mentioned athletics. You seem to channel that 
frustration or anything, all of that energy into athletics. So as you got older, why slam ball? <laughs> oh man, because I was the only thing there. I was a teacher in Baltimore City outside DC and then also in Baltimore. And me and my friends saw it on TV and we watched it at night. And like, man, that'd be really cool. I, I, I think I'd be good at that. Probably everyone in the world, when they saw that TV show, they thought they could do it. There was a tryout for it in Philadelphia. One of my best friends is from Philly. We were teaching together. We drove to Philly for the weekend to go to this tryout, kind of as a goof. I made it, and I made it to the next round to L.A. And I was a free truck to L.A. for two weeks. I'm like, ah, all right, let's see what happens. And I made it again. And I, said, I guess I'm going to stay here for about six months. So it was something that kind of just you know, fell into and somebody actually opened that door for you to get into the entertainment world. So tell us about that person. Well, her name is, is Amy. She's still in the entertainment world. She's doing an awesome job and she specializes in sports movies. So any football, baseball, basketball movie, she probably has a hand in choreographing the action and hiring the people who do all that. But before that, she was an athletic trainer in, in slam ball. So while I was playing slam ball, she was taping ankles and hanging out and we became friends, but not great friends. We knew each other. We worked together all the time. And the first movie I got a chance to try out for a year or so later, The Longest Shard, Adam Sandler, Brett Reynolds, and a pretty big movie and a big, big uh, casting call in LA on hundreds and hundreds of people show up and try to get on this movie. There was another tryout and this tryout, I wasn't good enough. I was pretty good. I was close. I was a bubble guy, but... There are guys who are just getting out of the NFL. We're running a 40. It's a legit combine type tryout, and I shouldn't have made it. And every day they made a cut, and every day I made it. End of the day, the hiring coach says, hey, we're going to bring you to this part of the movie, but then when the other part of the movie happens, we're going to replace you with a better player. I said, so I'm in the movie? He goes, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> Figure it out. And his assistant was this woman, Amy. And behind the scenes, she was vouching for me saying, hey, this guy's going to show up. He's tough. He's athletic. He'll be in the right spot at the right time. He'll be respectful. All those you know, intangibles. She was vouching for me behind the scenes. And that's what got me into Hollywood. Mm. And 18 years later, I was looking for an escape from it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And of course, that that movie, you kind of drop kicked your way in as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, like I kicked down the door, if you would. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So how did you prepare for that first role, like when you were in the youngest, longest yard and how nervous, were you nervous at all? Yeah, I was a little nervous. It was a very, very lucky experience to have that be my first movie because Adam Sandler and all his crew are just the nicest people in the world, very humble and friendly and everyone's treated as an equal. The director was super nice. So all those negative stereotypes to hear about Hollywood didn't really, wasn't on this movie. It was a really cool, great place to work. But on top of that, because we were doing all this football action, all the football, all the plays are choreographed. So Adam Sandler, Burt Reynolds, Terry Crews, Nelly, all the guys that were in the movie, they had to come to training camp with us a month or two months before the movie started and learn all the football plays. Mm -hmm. So we went to training camp with all the actors and all the stunt people and we sat in the locker room, we had the X's and O's, and you go here, you go here, the camera will be here, we're going to do the hit here, and we practiced for about a month or two before we shot. So by the time we got in the movie set, we were already pretty comfortable with everybody. But when the cameras come out and the lights, and it was doing the first one, they called action, I was like, oh, I hope I don't mess up. 
So it was definitely <laughs> a little butterflies at that point, but it was a very good experience to kind of ease my way into a, a big movie set like that. What skills do you kind of need for stunt work? It brings a different physical skill to the table. I have friends who are cowboys, you know, rodeo people, Red Bull skydivers, gymnasts from Cirque du Soleil, motocross mm. people, martial artists. I was just like a baseball, football athlete, slam baka kind of do everything pretty good. So everyone had a different physical gift they would bring. And everyone was obviously very talented in, in that aspect. But the biggest for success in that business is showing up, showing up on time. It's all word of mouth. There's no agents, no managers, no auditions. A couple of times there's big casting calls. That's a long show. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it's you're getting a referral from a job from somebody else. You got to put your best foot forward and know your role. If I got called to do a backflip on a motorcycle, like, I can't do that. You got to call somebody else. Like, even though I might need your money and be broke, I'm not going to take that job because tomorrow I'm going to have to do that stunt. And they're going to find out I can't do it. And I'm in the room of reputation. So it's kind of very self-regulated in that way. So yeah. like people who just showed up over time and were, were nice and hardworking and worked on their craft and got a little bit better and kept showing up. There's a stuntman softball league, a stuntman golf tournament, stuntman charity events. There's a whole stunt community. If you just keep showing up in a positive way, you'll, you'll trickle, it'll trickle in there if you have the physical ability on top of that. We. <clears throat> Getting back to that motorcycle scene, when you think of stunt work, it does sound pretty darn dangerous. <laughs> and <laughs> so I guess even if you think you can do it, there's got to be a level of fear there. And How dangerous is it? Well, I call it controlled chaos. If I got called to do that motorcycle scene and do a flip on a motorcycle, I've never done that. So I shouldn't take that job. But if I do take it, it's going to be very dangerous for me. I'm going to probably kill myself. The next guy who does that all the time, it's easy for him. That's not that dangerous for him. That's what he does. Mm. But that guy in the football field and have him get run over by a 300-pound guy, he's probably going to get hurt. I've done that 100 times. So as long as you stay in your in your lane, the right. danger is not as severe. And we have time to practice and rehearse and, and tweak you as much as we can for safety because the producers and the directors and the studios found out it's a lot cheaper to give us time to prepare than to pay your medical bills. <laughs> so it's kind of like self-typecasting in a way. <laughs> and then as you go, like I started doing the football movies and I learned how to do fight scenes. I learned how to drive a car. I learned how to do martial arts. I learned how to do high falls. So you train in every other direction so you can take more calls and more work and build a bigger resume. So which set was the most demanding to work on, physically demanding? For me, it was a movie called I Am Number Four. It was 2008, maybe. It was kind of like just after Twilight was really big. They were trying to make mm-hmm. all these movies with really pretty young people with powers and love stories. And it was actually a good movie. I played one of the main aliens. And I was also a stunt double for another guy. And I did a lot of the behind-the-camera work, helping the fight choreography and I also did a lot of the stunt rigging where if you're going to throw me through a window, you got to put a wire on my back, put a pulley system somewhere, and someone hits a button to fly you. So we would organize and design those systems that would pull and manipulate people, flying Spider-Man. Or... So I was on like a bunch of different teams in that. And one of the main things I did was play this alien. So it was four hours of prosthetics every day to get the alien wow. stuff on. And a lot of the sword fight and fight scenes, I'm the bad guy, so I get beat up and blown up every day. <laughs> And a lot of it, I was walking on stilts, so physically uh, oh, demanding. And then when I got off work, I would come work the next day super early to help build the pulley systems. 
And then the next day, you'd be in an alien suit. And the next day, double the different actor. It was one of those jobs I've learned the most from and grew the most. And the coordinator and the director and all the people in that movie were just awesome to work with, too. And so that was one of my most physically demanding, but also probably most rewarding movies I did. Oh, and you think of those physical demands, too. This cannot be a career that it can last forever. It's kind of like a pro athlete, right? You, your body can only take so much. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And luckily there's, there's a path behind the camera. So my last probably eight years, I was more specialized in the rigging aspect, building the pulley systems, being a coordinator, hiring the people, um, doing the budgets and kind of doing the breakdowns and pointing somebody else that you fall down those stairs. I'm a stand over here. <laughs> so, Did you ever have a stunt double for your own act? acting jobs i did not no a couple of my stunt friends have though and it's pretty funny <laughs> did you like sense. acting too did you I, like it as well I, I like the physical acting like the fights and because if you're a really good performer in fight scenes which they've definitely ramped up since a lot of the stunt people sam hargrave and, and a couple other uh, groups have really dialed in this fight scenes in his movies there's a lot of acting in there there's a lot of small beats and looks and energy and so the physical acting i really like but i think part of my speech impediment i really wasn't raising my hand to go talk too much i got the same amount of money where if i said a word or if i didn't say a word and just shoot me and i'll go over here and you guys have fun <laughs> <laughs> so you also worked on some great music performers in their videos how different is that work compares to film and television it's crazy different um film and television i'm in the screen actors guild there are unions there are carpenters electricians and there's a lot of rules and regulations and it keeps everybody safe and it keeps everybody making good money and keeps everything above the table i did i think four or five music videos i didn't do that many but it's kind of a lot of under the table stuff we would get paid in like envelopes of cash at the end of the day and it was definitely not as uh like we do a scene with rihanna we had a teacher had a i'm sorry it was rihanna and Nicki minaj and Nicki minaj was the person we had to teach a fight scene to and they're like oh you, you're not allowed to have to have her i was like well you hired us to teach them how to fight these like five ninjas so we have to have a day to rehearse with her no mm-hmm. we can't that's your music video that's fine okay well that, i don't know what to tell you it's going to look like crap if you don't have time to rehearse this finally we agreed to do it and she was awesome she showed up early and worked her butt off but there's so many handlers there like there are so many people who are kind of making money off of them is my limited right. experience that they don't really want you to interact with them that much they lose their influence and it's way different in in movies where like, you would work with whoever and you would have, they would be like you know, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. He would be in our stunt um, rehearsing space for three days a week, hanging out, doing stuff. He wants to be better at Spider-Man and we teach him how to ride the wires. And he's unbelievably athletic. And there's not a lot of layers between that in a lot of movies. If you want a good stunt relationship or if it's an action movie where you value the stunts. And the, mo- in the music business, it was uh, definitely everyone was trying to separate everybody else. And- wow get money and get out it's definitely a little more shady for lack of a better word again limited experience i only did four or five music videos so i'm sure it's it's not all all that it's kind of unnerving though really when you think of it because i mean that all i can think of is the britney spears situation but 
you kind of wonder about that, how, sh you know, sheltered, and I've seen that with athletes too, yeah. pro athletes, where it's who you surround yourself with, right? And a lot of people who are making millions of dollars off of you don't want you surrounded with anybody else. They need to build that bubble yeah. to keep their job pretty much. And happens in movie and music a lot more than movies. And that's why people like, um, I don't, uh, Britney Spears, I worked with her. She was just not, and she's gone up and down, I'm sure, but she was famous since she was like five. So she's always had that. Yeah. So her reality is different than anyone else's reality. And I get it. It's, it's a hard world to live in, to be normal. Or, and then you see a guy like Justin Timberlake, who did the same thing. And it seems to be it's a completely normal person. So yeah. I give him a lot of credit for navigating that and having his, his feet grounded. I've never met him, so I'm just assuming it's, uh, but... I wonder if it's different for the ones, the, the singers and, and musicians that have been in film where they have a different experience. Yeah, maybe got humbled a little bit and yeah, put yeah. themselves out there for sure. Yeah. So your book highlights some of your ups and downs and what compelled you to write it? And was it a good part of your healing process? Yeah, I always went to writing for my healing process. Even as a kid, I would write some poetry or write essays or write stories. And I was always a pretty good writer and I enjoyed it. It was a good outlet for me, intellectual outlet. I was always fairly smart. Um, but we'd rather be a linebacker in the football field. So that intellectual outlet came a little bit later than I needed. So I always was writing and I knew I wanted to get out of stunts. I was always driven to be a mentor, a teacher. I was an education major. I was a teacher for a while and slam ball in sports and the stunt work took me away from that. And I always want to get back into that. It kind of fulfills me helping kids and coaching and all that. So when I was leaving Hollywood, I knew I wanted to do something with that. And then speaking engagements and mentorship programs and all that. I was wondering what I can do to make some money and also build a brand a little bit. So I decided to write the whole book, write it all out. And then I can pick pieces of whatever's important for different speaking engagements. I do corporate team building events at my facility that I own. I'm meeting actually tomorrow, some principals of, of a middle school to write a curriculum based on my book and my experience and mm -hmm. my philosophy to help teachers and students alike kind of, so a bunch of different paths are going. And as I was writing a lot of content about the stories or experiences or philosophies I've learned from my experiences, at the end of the day, it was easier just to get right all, be done with it, write the whole story <laughs> and then pick from there. So. And tell us about Ninja Warrior. Explain that program a bit. So when I was leaving Hollywood, I had planned to do the writing, to do the mentorship programs and all that. But that was more a passion project. And I didn't really care about monetizing that as much, but I needed money. So I was going to open a uh, Ninja Warrior parkour gym. And I had a whole building designed. I had partners and investors. And uh, in looking at all the ways to do that, I was researching other businesses who were similar to it. And one business I found was Ninja Nation. They're based in Denver, Colorado. And they were doing a lot. They were, it was beautiful. Their space was awesome. And, Oh man, this is the first company I saw doing this. They really figured this out. It's awesome. So I went out there to Denver and they were just opening it as a franchise. So there were three corporate locations. They were just starting to sell franchises. And we, I ended up partnering with them to open one of their franchises in Charlotte. My big ROI was my time. I have three young kids. So big motivation leaving Hollywood was to be around my family more. And if I did that, just open up my own business, I would live in that business 90 hours a week for two years and I'm not going to stay in Hollywood for two more years if I did that. So 
I partnered with the franchise and our philosophies were very similar and, and the business model was very close to what I was going to do. And so we've been open 15 months now and it's been great. So it's a 11,000 square foot Ninja Warrior training facility. We have summer camps, active school programs, birthday parties. We have a competitive team. We have a development program. So we say you can play, train, or compete. So you can come and play, come to Open Gym, mm-hmm. and just run the Ninja Warrior course. Or you can train, join our development program, and get classes like a gymnastics studio and get better, stronger, more balanced, all that. Or you can compete and join our competitive team and compete all around the country. So it's a fulfilling job. How have you seen the impact of, of the Ninja Warrior program? You've probably seen some individual stories that have really kind of, oh, wow, this is really cool what I'm doing here. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I opened up the goal and to see that in, in real life is pretty cool. So one of the reasons I did that instead of like a baseball, football, or basketball business is because those sports get monetized at such the kids get monetized at such a young age. If you're really good at football or baseball at eight, there's someone in your ear, go to this travel team, pay this money, go to this mm-hmm. training facility, go to a scholarship, go to Stanford to do all this. I'm like, oh man, let the kids just play and compete just for the sake of playing and competing. And it's hard to find that nowadays. Yeah. And this Ninja Warrior sport has that. You can't go to college for it. You can't go to pro for it. You're just going to compete for the sake of competing. You're going to try to jump from here to there. And then you're going to do it five more times and you're going to fail. And then eventually you're going to get it. I'm like, holy cow, that was awesome. And you can do that time in a million in this facility. So I've seen a lot of kids come from gymnastics who were kind of bubble good enough maybe to be the competitive team, which is soul-sucking. They didn't like the – it was too serious. At 10 mm-hmm. years old, they're just – two hours a day, four days a week. And they got tired of it. They came to our gym and they're just flourishing. They're loving it. They're smiling. They're being competitive. They're being strong. They're all the things they want, they're getting. And then even some kids who have a couple of kids on the spectrum, ones probably have Asperger's and a couple other special needs kids who just their, their macro movements and walking on uneven places and seeing a really good result of some special needs kids in this environment, really flourishing and smiling and confidence it's been pretty it's been pretty awesome so what's next for you would you go do more films yeah the, that part's hard i actually went and worked on gardens of the galaxy 3 a couple months ago my friend luckily i left at a high enough level where all my peers are now hiring people for big movies and i can just call them and we came up together so a really good friend network there my phone was always ringing to jump on the movie and <laughs> the, the problem with that is the schedule changes like when you're on the movie and hey we're working tomorrow you know five in the morning to eight o'clock at night but great i'll see you in the morning you gotta call at midnight oh we're not doing that till next week now we're gonna fly to philadelphia tomorrow we're gonna do this scene oh my Uh, gosh okay and you just gotta go it's not always that bad but the schedule changes last minute all the time Mm -hmm. and i have three young kids a six-year-old a four-year-old and a two-year-old and i'm doing 90 percent of the the mommy daddy daycare i take the kids to school and i'll pick them up and the business allows me to do that and the writing and the podcast and all that stuff allows me to have my family be number one all this other stuff two three four five so it's hard for me to commit to do a movie because i know they're going to change the schedule i can plan it a month away okay a month from here i can be there for a week let's do it and i know two weeks ahead of time like, oh that just changed i'm like well i can't go now so it's hard to commit right now when my kids all go to school I'll probably go back for a week or two at a time and, and help some people out. I'll never be out completely, I don't think. 
It was fun when I was young and single and traveling all over the place. But now with kids and responsibilities and a business, it's hard to make that commitment. You have an interesting question at the end of your book. You say, if you could meet your younger self, what would you say to them? What have you said to yourself? Oh, man. I said, stay the course. And I was always pretty much staying the course in life. I kind of did this a little bit. And I think those little dips were valuable for me to know myself and to build my confidence and to know where my limits are. Um, but I could have maybe not gone so far and maybe gone this instead of this. So I would tell myself to stay the course, keep confidence in who you are and what you're doing, know that you're going to be okay. That somehow internally, even when I left teaching to go to LA to play slam ball, I had no money. I was broke. I was like, I'm going to find out a way to make money. I'll put food on the table. I have my degree. I'm a worker. I, I bartended and did personal training and baseball lessons and summer camps. And I was never worried about I would be okay. So that, that mentality served me well because my youth, I dipped a little bit in every direction and knew where my line was and knew how to stay close enough to the tracks, I guess. So I told myself, you know, stay the course. Kevin, thank you so much for this. You're welcome.